electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod. Kevin O'Leary in the latest chapter in the SBF said, CZ said, alphabet soup, drama of the FTX crypto collapse and its near rescue from rival Binance. Yesterday on the air, CZ called me a liar. That suggests that I perjured myself in front of the U.S. Senate for two hours this week. The Shark Tank investor was a paid spokesman for FTX, and he's facing a lot of questions about his own exposure in the now bankrupt company. In venture investing, eight out of 10 times, the venture fails. Reasons for failure are different. This one is alleged fraud. Are you still calling yourself a venture investor when we're still talking about the fee that you got as a spokesperson? So your venture investing was your name being able to be used as a spokesperson? Plus, Joe, Becky, and Andrew on the stories that got us squawking. Elon Musk, who should be on Twitter, who shouldn't be, it's a process. When you think about who these reporters are and the kind of critical coverage that they've had of Elon Musk, and also just the shifting back and forth between free speech, not free speech, oh, I care so much about free speech. It's Friday, December 16th. Squawk Pod begins right now. Today on the podcast, Mr. Wonderful and the FTX Collapse. It's the he said, he said, he said drama that's captivated Wall Street and frankly Main Street. FTX founder Sam Bankman-Fried, sitting in a prison in the Bahamas accused of wire and securities fraud, and many of his crypto customers and stakeholders hold him accountable for the billions of dollars that disappeared when his company fell apart. FTX users are demanding answers from SBF, as he's known, of course, and from his investors, and from the celebrities that he got to sell his product, like Shark Tank investor and venture capitalist Kevin O'Leary. So some historical context. Let's rewind to the more innocent time of August 2021. Crypto is blowing up. FTX has just won the naming rights to the Miami Heat's arena. Tom Brady and Giselle Bunchen have just taken an equity stake in the FTX crypto exchange, becoming ambassadors. And well-known from Shark Tank, Kevin O'Leary became a spokesman for FTX as well. And at this point, the company had completed its Series B funding round and was valued at $18 billion. For the investor known as Mr. Wonderful, his equity stake in FTX was a true 180 pivot. Just three years prior, O'Leary called the entire asset class garbage on CNBC. Here's what he said about Bitcoin. It is a useless currency. It is a useless currency. I, that's what I believe. I mean, look, I'm not, you know, I, I realize people have different opinions, but to me, it's garbage. Since then, clearly things have changed. O'Leary is out millions. His reputation and those of other venture capitalists involved are being called into question. This week, Kevin O'Leary testified before the Senate Banking Committee about the FTX collapse. I simply called Sam Bankman-Fried and said, where is the money, Sam? On Capitol Hill, and even on his last Squawk Box appearance just a week ago, O'Leary described this moment. He realized that his FTX account 
was wiped to zero. He called Sam Bankman-Fried directly, before he was in a Bahamian prison, obviously, and demanded to know what happened. During his testimony under oath, O'Leary pointed his finger at Binance, FTX's rival crypto exchange, suggesting that Binance and its CEO, Shengpeng Zhao, were in part responsible for the liquidity squeeze and ultimate collapse of FTX. And I said, Sam, walk me back 24 months. Where did you spend it? And then he told me about a transaction that occurred over the last 24 months, the repurchase of his shares from Binance. Binance's CEO, who goes by CZ, disagrees. And on Squawk Box, pointed his finger right back at Kevin O'Leary. Calvin O'Leary, he's making a bunch of nonsense claims. He says he didn't know that Binance was a shareholder of FTX. So he invested in FTX without looking at the cap table. But he was very specific in the way he counts for a transaction two years ago. So that's kind of contradictory. So um, I think Calvin's a liar. You can hear that full interview on yesterday's episode of Squawk Pod right in your feed, wherever you're listening now. Kevin O'Leary addressed his part in this ongoing saga today on Squawk Box with our anchors Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Andrew starts things off. Kevin, I want to get into a a whole host of things uh, about the situation, where it stands, uh, your role with the creditors, um, and your comments about... uh, CZ at Binance and his comments about you uh, that took place on this broadcast. But uh, before we even do that, I I just want to say there are a lot of people uh, and and I see them on Twitter. They send me uh, emails and the like who are very uncomfortable uh, about the role that you played as a spokesperson for FTX in all of this. And I I just want to put a put that out there. Uh, But also, I think one of the reasons that they're particularly uncomfortable about it is that you have yet to condemn Sam Bankman-Fried. In fact, when this all first happened and the company went bankrupt, you said you would continue to support him and would actually invest behind him again. So I wanted to know whether you condemn him today. So let's clean that up. First of all, that comment regarding uh, backing him, that was made prior to all of these allegations. Obviously, he's uninvestable right now. But the point is, and I will continue to do this, for the last 15 years, I have invested in many entrepreneurs that have gone through catastrophic failures. That's not going to stop. Obviously, I can't invest in Sam Bankman-Fried. So that's out of the question. So let's absolutely clean that up. Regarding being a paid spokesperson, uh, all of us, all of us feel foolish. Um, as, as far as being an investor, I feel all of us, we feel like idiots. There's no question about it. We, we wear this. And normally, I want to point something out, Andrew, in venture investing, eight out of 10 times, the venture fails. And if I had to sit in front of the Senate for every venture that I invested and went to zero, I would need an apartment there. The point is, you fail a lot at this. This is a catastrophic failure. Reasons for failure are different. This one is alleged fraud. Regarding not condemning him, let me be very clear about this. This is America. The justice system provides the assumption of innocence until proven otherwise. It's still America before Sam Bankman-Fried. It will be after Sam Bankman-Fried. Any individual is given that right, including Sam Bankman-Fried. Now, I understand that the herd is angry and Twitter and all of the other social media platforms allow for that. So everybody out there has already become judge and jury and have already sentenced him. I get it. Many of those people in their lifetime are going to want to use the benefit of being a citizen that is assumed innocent until proven guilty. They just don't know it yet. So sorry, not going to tell anybody they're guilty until they've gone through due process. Not now, not ever. Any individual. 
Kevin, as, as an act, as a, you are a principal in this, in this drama. You are an actor in this drama. And, and you had a front row seat to Sam Bankman-Fried literally up until the very end. Given what you know about him personally, and given what you now know uh, about the numbers and what has happened there, as you said, uh, you're, you're trying to get money back uh, for creditors. What do you think happened? Do you believe this was a fraud? I don't have the facts. John Ray doesn't have them yet. Uh, he's going to get them. I'm looking for my records. I'm willing to fund a forensic audit of our accounts. I'd like to know what happened, obviously. Uh, there's a lot of bad things that have been alleged here, no question about it. And some of them are going to be true, likely, because there's no money there. Somewhere, the cash is gone. And, and so this is the beginning of a journey. You're right. I, I, I did speak with him prior to him going to jail because I'm just after the facts of where the cash was. Now, let me address something uh, before uh, we go any further. Yesterday on the air, CZ called me a liar. That suggests that I perjured myself in front of the U.S. Senate for two hours this week. I can assure you that is not the case. Another little parable here you should understand. When I was young, my birth father, who's Irish, put me on his knee, and every Irishman will know this, and he said, son, never call an Irishman a liar unless you know with certainty that's true. And I said, why is that, Dad? He said, because the Irish are crazy. Now, I don't know what it meant back then, but I got to tell you, I'm not happy about that. So at the end of the day, I have no ill will to this guy, but he's part of the story, too. And you found out yesterday you did a little work with Squawk Box. We talked about it either being two billion or three billion, that transaction. That's the largest transaction, I think, of anything in there regarding the balance sheet in, in recent 24 month period. And he confirmed it was $2.1 billion. And then he confirmed that he still had $550 million, half a billion dollars of FTT tokens. Now, at some point, we're going to look at that week of November 6th. And you ask anybody, why, did they, why was Sam Bankman-Fried or the whole company FTX forced into bankruptcy? It was jamming down that last half a billion that gave them no option. Now, is that the fatal stroke or blow to get rid of your global competitor? I say yes. And I'll tell you something else. Right after that interview, I got a phone call, or actually it was a text, from a lobbyist in Washington saying, don't go anywhere, you're coming back. So I bet CZ bought himself an invitation to Washington yesterday. Can't wait to meet him there. We can go sightseeing. Um, Kevin, I, I suspect you might be right on that front. The, the only thing I'd say, even if that's the case, even if what he did led to the uncovering of what we now suspect, what's now been alleged in these documents or these complaints from the SEC and a criminal complaint, too. I mean, the, the criminal complaint doesn't get into that as much as it gets into the idea that this was a fraud underneath it anyway. So if, if CD, CZ did bring down the demise of this and let us see what was there, maybe all he did was sweep the tide out and we saw that SBF was swimming around naked. I mean, that may be the bigger issue here, that if he did do it, Maybe it was a favor to everybody if they'd unveiled a Ponzi scheme that might have still been going on otherwise. Well, remember, he was trying to buy the business at that time. On Wednesday, the idea was he was going to buy it. Was so he, or was he, he, or was he doing that just to throw more shade at him? I don't know. Well, we don't know. But obviously, if he thought there was fraud, he wouldn't have made an offer to buy it. So nobody knew, including, remember, this guy's a huge shareholder of FTX, or he was. And so he didn't see the fraud either. So at the end of the day, the question becomes clawback. You've been talking about it for the last two days. Is that 2.1 billion Madoff-style clawback? Who knows? But if I get on that credit committee, 
I'll be one of the guys doing the clawing. So I'm looking forward to that because I think at the end of the day, every shareholder and account holder has to have an answer to what happened here. I normally would have written this off like the other eight venture investments, but not this one. I'm staying on this one right to the end. I'm going to teach this course at Harvard one day in my guest lecturing. This is going to be a case. This will be a chestnut. This is an extraordinary, extraordinary situation right now. So, Kevin, I, <clears throat> time goes so quick. I, I just, it seems like only yesterday, uh, I was totally um, arguing with you on, on Squawk Box. You went from Charlie Munger's view on Bitcoin to Michael Saylor's view on Bitcoin. And I actually kidded you about it. I said, who are you? You, you, you? you may know nothing, but you're never in doubt. You're so strident when you said it was just worthless and rat poison. And then six months later, you're like this Bitcoin bull. And, and I, so I didn't understand that conversion. Did that conversion coincide with the 15 million that you got from, from FTX? No, I was investing three and a half years earlier than that. I changed my mind back in early 2018 when I saw the regulators in jurisdictions like Canada, Switzerland, and Abu Dhabi start to change their minds. But I'll tell you what really got me investing, Joe. You know, the, I mentioned these guest lecturing things I do. They're usually to uh, graduating cohorts of engineers. And so these are classes that are six to nine at night. And these are the best and brightest at MIT or in business school at Harvard. I started to notice back in 2018, I'd say, okay, wait, where are you guys going? Where are you going? Because about a third of the class will create entrepreneurial efforts right. and they'll start businesses. They're all going to the blockchain. You can't spend that I'm much so intellectual. I, I, I believed Kevin, it back then. I'm just Kevin, trying to figure out I, I, I got to stop you. I got to stop you. Uh, you just said you made this conversion in what year? I think it was 2018 I started investing, yeah. Okay, well, I, I just, just for, as a point of fact, for what it's worth, uh, May 14th, 2019, uh, you came on television and called Bitcoin garbage. Just then, in terms then I'm wrong. Then I'm wrong. It's the year later. And keeping the time. But also, Kevin, so prior to that, you hadn't, you hadn't looked at it at all? I, I wonder about Munger. I, wor I wonder oh, about a lot of them. Most but of the people I, that I call them beanie babies have never looked into actually how it works. Had you not oh, looked no. into it, and yet you had those re very strong. Uh, opinions about I, I remember I remember I think it was 2017 coming on Squawk Box talking about the tokenization of a hotel in New York and the regulator let me know right after that they were not okay with that and that was the beginning of realizing wow things are tough out here with this crypto stuff but maybe you're right Andrew maybe I started 2019 but the point is it was long before I became a paid spokesperson years before so it didn't change my mind to be paid or you know go through that whole process I'm an advocate of this because I think the productivity available in, uh, in, in crypto and particularly payment systems looks extraordinary and I understand the incumbents and the banking system is really trying to shut this down but the fact is it's a threatening technology and disruptions always abhorred by the existing incumbents. Kevin, let me ask you a different question, which is, you know, I, I think you want to get on this creditor committee and one of the arguments you've made in a sort of, if this is a Madoff style Ponzi scheme, is that effectively Binance and CZ uh, should get the, should the money that went to them, I think you're arguing, should be clawed back. Typically when that happens, you, you have to, or at least historically, have to show to some degree that they were, quote unquote, in on the fraud or, 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 or knew about it, or were part of a conspiracy, if you will. The question is how you differentiate, and I, I, I'll be very straight with you, how you differentiate them versus yourself, insofar as there, are, there, there could be an argument to be made, uh, given the work that you did for FTX, 
that, that, that in fact, whatever money you were given, now I know you would say that you're now down to zero, uh, that whatever that is should be clawed back, that in fact that you wouldn't be a creditor. Well, that's interesting, and, and I'm happy to have that discussion with you, but I have been clawed back to zero already. I've given it back to somebody, I just don't know who yet, and I want to find out because I'd like to get on that credit committee and start looking for the trail because there's no question about it. If I'm not the only person whose account was scraped to zero, not just the, not just the tokens, but also all the accounting records. I find that extraordinary. And regarding the CZ situation, it's not that easy. These are the two largest shareholders doing a transaction together. CZ is a 20% shareholder. We learned that again yesterday. Kev, That's Kevin, a to lot. Put, to put a fine point on it, though, uh, one of the things that, that he suggested you were lying about, if I understood it, and there, there, was, there was a number of components to, I think, what he was trying to say, but... Uh, uh, maybe not as clearly um, as, as we all would have liked to at least understand the idea that when you became a spokesperson for the company, that you didn't look at the cap table and understand uh, the relationship that Binance had with FTX. Look, no one did, obviously, including CZ. He's a 20 percent shareholder. He should have had much more access to those th that data than I did. I mean, that, that's a significant shareholding. So at the end of the day, we're all Every investor, all 90 of us from the, these, these are the who's who of venture investing. Sequoia on down. We all look like idiots. I agree with you there. Right. Do you think but the public the should think about you differently, though? I mean, we were talking about actually endorsements and endorsees. You know, obviously, you know, Larry David was in the FTX Super Bowl commercial. Tom Brady took on his role as a, as a spokesman of sorts for the company. You're a spokesman for the sorts of the company. Uh, not of sorts, but were. It's funny. Uh, I don't know if it's funny. Some people wouldn't expect a Larry David or a Tom Brady, maybe fairly or unfairly, to either have known or understood or necessarily done all the diligence that they should have done. Well, and let me tell you they, why. And, but they I look mean, at you no. and they think that you should have. Well, that's interesting to differentiate me. I can tell you he's a better quarterback than I am. So there's things we do differently. But let me tell you what the theory was and why Sam Bankman-Fried was hiring all these people. He was very jealous of the accounts that Coinbase had, and he wanted to figure out how to build a retail base quickly. And so it's not crazy what he did. Putting his name on an arena makes sense if you can make a brand become ubiquitous in America so that you can try and get more consumers to build that base. Maybe jealous isn't the right word, but he said they started three years earlier and they were way ahead of him and he wanted to catch up. And that was the way to do it. So it's not a crazy theory. Companies advertise and they do it this way. Now, obviously, none of us would have wanted to be in this mess if we could have avoided it, but we just didn't know. And frankly, venture investing, venture investing is you can do all the due diligence you want. You're still going to get eight out of 10, go to zero. That's been the stats since 1954 when they first started covering it in Boston. So at the end of the day, that's the nature of, of investing this way. It's risky. Just one question about the creditors, just your opinion on it, since you're trying to get on the creditors committee. If they do recover money, that money that goes back, what should the order of the creditors be? Who should get paid back first? The people who actually lost their money that they, they were asking them to hold or contractors and spokespeople? Like where, where should that fall in your opinion? I, I always, my opinion about this is when you become an advocate for getting it back on a credit committee, you take care of the small people first, the people that lost their money in terms, I don't mean small people, I mean pe people that diminishment, diminishment amounts inside their accounts, they're hurt the most. 
And so it's not that the shareholders of which I'm included, I'm in both of these groups. I don't think we should get anything back. We're venture investors. We're big boys. We lost our money. We understand it. I don't want anything back there until the people that had money in the accounts get theirs back. That, that just seems that, that just seems fair. And I, I really because we, we know as venture investors, we're going to get it wrong 80 percent of the time. And here's another one. But it just there's something wrong with sweeping somebody's account of their assets. Where is that money? That's the question I have. And everybody on the committee is going to want the same answer. And so does John Ray, where this is a classic case. And he said it himself this week in front of the Senate, too. This is just follow the money. But Kevin, and we are, need are you still calling yourself a venture investor when we're still talking about the fee that you got as a spokesperson? So your, inve your venture investing was was your name being able to be used as a spokesperson? Is that how you're seeing yourself as an investor rather than just no, a, Joe, a paid... Joe, bad news. I, I have, uh, you know, I have a, a very large advisory business uh, with governments and with companies okay. and with... No, I know, but in this case, with, 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 with uh, FTX. And I, look, I, I, can't, I can't change the past. I mean, yes, I was no, a paid I mean, did spokesperson. You invest, did you invest your own money into FTX or just get paid? By, are you still conflating money you got paid by FTX that you lost, or did you actually invest no, Joe, in your money, own funds? Money's fungible. Money's fungible. I, I have many so other did. advisors. So, you, so we're once again, no, you're wait. a venture investor you're, because you're you ventured me, your name and reputation. If the answer is yes, I lost money. I had ten million plus dollars sitting in there, swept. It's gone. There's ten million dollars gone. Paid, did you got paid by FTX for? By well, it's not that simple because I had to pay the, the tax man too. I thought Think you about got, that. Did you get that money too from FTX? Was it what's it called? A gross debt. Was it a gross up? Top gross up. Yes, so part of it was the gross up. So you up. didn't even pay your own money I, on the taxes. That was also from. from I, know that, uh, I know this is really upsetting you, but you know, it I don't upset me. It just upsets me when you try to, to to dodge around the the, the essential point that I'm you didn't put dodging. any of your I, own money I mean, in. Look, I'm not dodging. You're not going to get me there. I totally disclosed every cent when I went in front of the Senate, and oh, on top of that, I don't set my price, Joe. Let me get this point out. I don't set my price. The market does. They decide what they're going to pay me. All right. This is a capitalist society. If I'm not worth $15 million, I don't get paid $15 well, million. Why do you call yourself a venture investor? I'm just, I'm just, it's, is it semantics? Why are you saying you're a venture investor when it was a fee that they paid you? And some would say ill-gotten gains because you were basically legitimizing a scammer. What, who's going to no, like I, I insisted on becoming an investor. I said, I don't go, I'm not going to endorse this company unless I'm a shareholder. So I want access to that deal that you're doing that's closed. They had to open up that round for me. I took some of the proceeds that I was paid and reinvested it in the company. I don't endorse companies unless I'm a shareholder. Most of the time I have to be. Otherwise, I'm not aligned with everybody else. And telling me I'm not a venture investor, I have 54 companies in my portfolio right now. In I invested case. in all of them. In this case, you're investing money that they paid you as a spokesperson. Fine, you're a venture investor. No, I didn't. I didn't okay. have to Fungible. invest in FTX. I didn't have to invest in FTX to become a paid spokesperson. That was not okay. on the table. I insisted on it. Okay, Kevin, uh, we do appreciate uh, engaging with you on this topic. Uh, you are a principal actor in this. Uh, uh, what is now turning out to be a sad drama, but um, we look forward to talking to you again. I, I love getting sandpapered by you guys every day. It's fantastic. <laughs> We, Thank if you. we don't do it, who will? Cheese will be next. Coming up, Twitter suspends journalists who have been covering the new chief twit, Elon Musk. I mean, he is a mercurial genius that obviously has changed the world. I'm not going to end up de defending someone who's like a baby with a hammer. 
Squawk Pod will be right back. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. This is Squawk Pod. Stand by, Joe. His mic. Q. Good morning, and welcome back to Squawk Box here on CNBC Live from the Nasdaq Market Site in Times Square. It's rained for 40 days and 40 nights, kind of 40 hours and 40 uh, more hours. I'm Joe Kern, along with Becky Quick and Andrew Ross. We're supposed to stop at some point this year. You tweeting yet today about? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not tweeting yet. I, I'm. I'm worried to tweet. Uh, meantime, let's say about some of the controversy. Of why maybe? Folks could very well be worried to tweet. Uh, last night, the platform suddenly suspended several high-profile journalists who cover the platform and also the company's CEO, Elon Musk, who controls it. The journalists were from services including the New York Times, CNN, and the Washington Post, among other outlets. Musk said the suspension stemmed from the platform's new rules banning private jet trackers or doxing uh, via a ban on sharing people's location in real time. Now, Musk said the suspensions would last seven days. In a tweet, he said, criticizing me all day long is totally fine, but doxing me real-time location, endangering my family is not. In another tweet, he said, the band journalist posted his exact real-time location, which he called basically assassination coordinates. One journalist whose account was suspended, Matt Binder of Mashable, found a loophole in suspension and joined an audio discussion on Twitter Spaces uh, which was uh, having a conversation all about this last night. Musk then joined that discussion briefly and explained his latest policy, saying, you dox, you get suspended. End of story. That's it. He left minutes after he joined. The Twitter account of Mastodon, which is billed now as a Twitter alternative, was also suspended late yesterday. NBC News journalists were unable to tweet any links uh, to those pages. So uh, lots of questions about exactly uh, what's going on here when you think about the linking and the like, what they were doing was linking to, I believe, uh, the, the Elon, Elon Jet, which is, is uh, the account a, a, a handle, yeah. uh, also maintains a separate website. That website has links to all sorts of different uh, airplanes and, and other things that you can track, and you can do that publicly. It's available to the world. This is not something that somebody's doing sort of in a you know, particularly unusual way. And then, of course, when you think about who these reporters are and the kind of uh, critical coverage that they've uh, had of Elon Musk, it raises questions, I think, about sort of what, what really the, the true ambition is here. And also just the shifting back and forth between 
free speech, not free speech. Oh, I'm, you know, I care so much about free speech that I'm very happy to, uh, to have my, my plane track to, right. oh, my goodness, I've decided. Look, nobody wants to be put in danger. No. I don't want, never and, want my family in the free speech in argument, danger. The free speech argument does go both ways, as it's been pointed out, because when, when he didn't own it and things were being suppressed, you didn't hear certain people talking about free speech. It, it's just both sides. They, they, they flip back and forth, and there's hypocrisy, as there always is. There's hypocrisy. It just seems like this would be on both sides. He needs, he needs, to, he needs, force. he needs to be different than than the former regime, where they were arbitrarily allowed to do what they wanted. He needs to do some type of algorithm, some type of say, right now it's some just type of, of fair, unbiased. Right. Totally. I, I mean, this is the guy who. At one point, said I'm going to take my company private at, at a number that stands for marijuana. Then he smoked some marijuana on 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 a thing. Then Rogan. he, I mean, he is a mercurial genius that that obviously has, has changed the world. Sometimes in good ways, sometimes I'm not going to end up right. de defending someone who's like a baby with a hammer, you know, in a, in a, in a china closet. <laughs> I, I have no idea how this plans out. I don't like the way Twitter used to be. I really don't. Whether I'm going to like the way it is from here on out, I'm sure I'm not going to like everything about it. But there are certain things I like. It, it, I guess he can do what he wants. It's his. Platform. It's his coming, and it was for, private. But that's what people always used to say before too. Twitter can ban whomever they want because it's not the government, so they can ban whomever they want. And you used to hear that, but, but now you hear. The well, I think side. the conundrum in this case is back then they never said it was supposed to be a public town square where everything was was up for uh, grabs. We kind of hoped it would be. I think that they... We didn't think it was an arm of the DNC or the, the, the pro-Fauci COVID, uh, you know, sure, the anti, the, the, you know, bury every laptop story. We didn't think it was that. I mean, it may not have been a town square, but it, it, what it used to be was no bargain. Look, it's hypocrisy on both sides, I yes. think is what you're pointing at. But don't ever think it applies to my family. Well, I, look, I understand. I, I, I do understand, but I do understand his concern with his son and what happened. I, I understand I that completely. I definitely but do. What he's talking about right now is impossible to enforce on a broader scale. I mean, what he's doing, it's like whack-a-mole. He sees something and he's going to smack it down. But how do you broadly enforce that? Because when he took it down, there were still all these other accounts for Bill Gates's jet and other people's but, jets. Right. That were out I don't like and what, and even say, talking about doxing because... You know, whenever, you know, I've seen someone on Twitter, all of a sudden they throw out your address. And so, it, but anyone can get anybody's address. That's not that hard well, to look, do. But, but it's unsettling when you see it. We used to all get unsettling a big, when you see thick it. book in, our, in the yes. mail once a year that had everybody's address and their phone number. Right. So, <laughs> right. It's sort of a bit rich. The other part, though, that I don't understand about the, the doxing piece of it, and look, again, the idea of putting anyone's family or anybody in exactly. kind of safety jeopardy. But... We were talking, I think, yesterday, you know, Air Force One, for example, it's a plane, it's pu publicly available. People, people will take pictures of right. the president in real time, where he is. He's got a cadre of like 100 Secret no. Service guys around him, though. But you, what you're going to see, and, and this is true of all sorts of things, concerts, uh, places. Now, some of these are going to be considered public places. And, and others, but well, you, know, you see somebody be, out to dinner, you take you a picture see, and say, yes, "Guess who's here right guess now?" Guess who's here right now? Right. You, you know, where where is the line right. in terms well, of what how this is supposed to work? And how do you possibly police it? Because that, I mean, there, there's there are simpler problems that they say they can't handle that right. they can't. But think if you're the richest guy in the world and you've totally alien. I was going to say PO'd half of the, and some of them are crazy. I mean, you look at what's happening in today's world, Paul Pelosi, whatever you want to look at. 
Uh, he's high profile, richest guy in the world. He's definitely someone that I would feel very unsafe being Elon Musk yeah. right now, especially if people knew exactly where you were at, at all times. I mean, I've mentioned, you know, I like being here, but I, I hope that we're protected. <laughs> I hope that we're protected here, considering some of the but wackos. Then how, but, then that, how we, but then you got to protect everybody. And then, well, you got to protect people that are, are, but more, but some people are much more public and much more. So what, you protect the blue check marks? No, oh, you wait, don't protect you go, the okay, blue check mark, but if you're not at risk, you don't need to be protected. How do you know who's at risk? Would you have guessed? I don't know. But I mean, risk? you can make a, I think I might have, I think people were shocked that, they're, that they I, had no security. Yeah, I would have, I would have thought that, you know, I, I guess. I, cameras. Uh, they it, had cameras there. They, they did. They were watching they just Washington. They just weren't They just weren't paying attention. I know. And, and you know, they, when the news first came out, it was like it, there was no break-in. Well, there was a break-in. Yeah. We'll be right back. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. That's Squawk Pod for today and for the week. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern. You can get the best of Squawk Box, interviews, continuing soap operas in the world of business, and a lot more when you follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. We'll meet you back here on Monday. Have a great weekend. We are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.